The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode... One of the main partners for the last two years comes in as well, and here's just talking about diabetes. He looks at me and goes, are you diabetic? I go, yeah, I just got diagnosed with type 1. He's like, I've been type 1 the last 15 years. No I way. was like, no way. I've been <laughs> with this fella for the last two years. Like, I mean, he's a goer. Like, we'd be punching the head off each other and all. Like, but before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulon podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. How's it going? And welcome back to another episode of the Insulon Podcast, your number one Irish diabetes podcast, and soon to be, someday, your number one diabetes podcast, and it's always the best place to come to hear from some unbelievable and very inspiring guests all around the world who live with type 1 diabetes. And today is no different to any other of those episodes because today I'm chatting with Connor McCarthy. Connor is from Dublin in Ireland. He was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of 19, much like myself. But Connor was only diagnosed 10 months ago, so less than a year, which is strange to think about because I'm actually coming up on my 10 year anniversary in January. Connor is a full-time student currently studying electronic and computing engineering while also competing in MMA at a national level. And for anyone who doesn't know what MMA is, it's mixed martial arts. So it's a combination of boxing, kickboxing, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, all these different types of combat sports mixed in one. Connor actually reached out to me through Instagram and he said that he had been listening to the podcast and he really likes the podcast. And he had messaged me to tell me that he had just won his second fight as a diabetic the night before his message. So I was really looking forward to this chat. He certainly didn't disappoint me. He really knows his stuff. Very interesting and very inspiring guy. So enjoy my chat with Connor. So um, yeah, when he the first, it was a phone consultation and um, 
the first thing is like, I'd just like to get this off my chest. I think you're a crazy bastard. And he was like, to be fair to you, <laughs> he's like, yeah, I think anyone who hops in a cage to fight someone is a crazy bastard. But if you have diabetes, you're just mental. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's that extra bit of craziness added in. Was that your first consultation that you had had with your endocrinologist? It actually was, yeah. I've seen um, the nurses, the dietitians, plenty of times, but it was actually my first meeting with the endocrinologist. So he obviously had a bit of your background, knowing that you're you're big into the fighting and that kind of thing. I suppose he would have, yeah. Um, yeah, I say so. It was actually the people who regulate safe MMA. They're the body that makes sure all the fighters are up to date with the medical standards. They organized the meeting with the endocrinologist because I was on a waiting list. And one of the um, consultants reached out to my endocrinologist and just like, this is urgent. Could you please approve Connor if he's safe to fight? Because the fight was just around the corner. And was this your first official kind of fight, was it? This was actually just my last fight because it was in the Republic of Ireland and it's extremely strict down here. My first MMA was in Northern Ireland and it's like the Wild West. <laughs> and it's, like, it's grand, it's very loose, the restrictions. Uh, for medicals but in ireland we're very strict and you have to pass a certain criteria to fight so what would that criteria be specifically being diabetic to kind of get the sign off to fight um just being diabetic they just want to make sure like the weight cut that's the most concerning thing because like the head of safe ma was like to me people going to uh, hypoglycemic states who are non-diabetic when they cut weight they uh-huh. and they go into states of ketosis that's how everyone cuts weight we cut out carbs and sodium so he's like this is going to be very concerning if you're diabetic like you could whatever so he, they wanted me to obviously have a consultation with my endocrinologist and see how i'm going to achieve this so that was their biggest concern i suppose being diabetic yeah that's mad and i suppose that's a side to it that i almost even forgot about it's like i'm obviously fully aware of how intense the sport is <laughs> in itself but even that extra bit of intensity leading up to a fight, you have to reach or hit a the certain weight. weight. Yeah, and that so, is the worst part. Yeah, about fighting, I suppose. And yeah. how long would the build up or or the process to kind of hit that weight be leading into a fight? It uh, it depends, I suppose. For my last two, I'm nearly just a week. I'm losing about three kg in a week. Um, which isn't a whole lot in terms of fighters. Like I know fighters that lose ten kg in a week, so mine's ten not that e- ten in a week. Yeah, that would oh probably God. be professionals. That'd be standard. Mm. So mine is it's just like uh, very like disciplined, I suppose. Um, no sodium, no carbs, about three days out, and you're drinking water plenty until the day before the weigh-in. You, I say, you're juicing no more than five hundred milliliters. And weight falls off you. So the idea there is carbs and sodium, they retain water. So without them, you're basically just, your body's holding on to less water. Mm. And for when you can hop on the scales, you're you're not really dehydrated unless you're sweating, which I don't do. But uh, you just kind of like, obviously you're fasted. You fast as well before. Then when you hop on the scales, you just like, whatever, you weigh in for that split second, then you just start eating food, refueling, you go up like three kg straight after. I think even, and I suppose from my own perspective of personal training with clients, that's always a big thing that I kind of need to remind them of is the fact that so much of our weight can be determined just by water retention, you know, from salt, as you say, sodium and carbohydrate that we eat. So sometimes you can feel as if I'm stepping on the scales this week 
And then next week, you might just have eaten less or drank less water. And you're like, oh, I've lost five Absolutely. pounds of, yeah. of fat or whatever it is. But that's obviously not the case. Yeah, because my oh. parents always like to me, Jesus, oh, how do I look? I want to lose three kg in a week or something. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. not natural. Like, it's literally just water manipulation. So, Connor, how many years had you been training or fighting for before you were diagnosed? Um, I had my first fight at 15, which was boxing. So, I come from a boxing background. My granddad was an Irish boxer. He boxed for years. Uh, my dad did a bit as well. So I suppose I was always in the blood and picked up boxing when I was about 14. Began competing at 15. So roughly five years of training. No, sorry, four. I got diagnosed at 19. I'm 20 now. Yeah, and that's obviously what is very similar to me is the fact that I was exactly 19. Yeah. So you've, you've only been diagnosed about a okay. year now at this stage. It's actually uh, 10 months, I think. In December 8, it will be my year anniversary. <laughs> the big birthday. The big birthday, yeah. <laughs> so how did you feel... With the initial diagnosis, because obviously um, you come from a massively sporty and, and kind of fitness-based background, was it a massive shock to you? It was actually like just disbelief. Like they're like, I remember vividly like one of the doctors telling me like, you're diabetic. And I was like, what? I was like, no, you're joking. This, <laughs> this isn't right. Like I was in the gym the night before I got diagnosed. Like it was just mental. I went to the gym. I was feeling like terrible, you know, drinking loads of water think i'd lost about six kg at this stage like i'm constantly weighing myself i'd be very in tune with my body weight for fighting and i felt awful and one of the lads like come on we'll just go up to the gym we'll hit pads and i started trying to hit pads and he's like are you all right like i was literally like usually i'll be trying to smash the pads you know and i was like just tapping it like getting fatigued so like easy and when we were getting changed wherever he's like you look so skinny like and i was like ah go away he's only messing with me and i was like shut up and whatever went home my mom looks at me like connor you've lost a severe amount of weight and i was like really like my face was beginning to be sunken in i was like to be honest i feel terrible and in the back of my mind i was already searching my symptoms and it was like diabetes 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 and i was like nah i couldn't be like i can't be diabetic like i'm eating so well i'm just stressed out like i had exams for college in two weeks so I was trying to balance that out. Like I was pretty stressed out at the time. So I blamed all the weight on that. But uh, yeah, it was crazy, man. Like I went to the doctors after that. My mom told me like, you're like, okay, we'll ring the doctors. I lost a lot of weight. And they booked me in straight away. Did a finger prick. And I think my bloods were 30 at initial. And they checked my ketones. And the monitor that I have didn't go up that high. <laughs> they told me they couldn't no read way. my ketones because like, yeah that's what they said to me um the monitor didn't go that high so they're like you need to go straight to hospital i was like what <laughs> it was like just such a shock man it didn't feel real like so you were obviously under the impression that diabetes is kind of all in one there's only one type of diabetic and therefore you you were thinking it can't be me it can't be me i'm eating so well and i'm training consistently and i'm i'm fit and healthy and these kind of things was it only when you were obviously officially diagnosed where you began to understand that, no, this is actually type one. This is an autoimmune disease. To be honest, um, one of my best friends is actually type one and he's been type one probably for the last five years. So I actually kind of was aware. I just was just in such disbelief, like this cannot be happening to me. Like, you know, I, I just felt, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought maybe it was associated with diet. I, I was kind of ignorant to diabetes, but, uh, 
I just didn't know how like much information. <laughs> like I, I finger picked before before I was diabetic with my mate and all, like having a laugh. Um, he checked my blood and all, so I had a bit of an idea, but it was a big shock to me. Like I didn't know what diabetes was about, how complex it was. I thought it was kind of straightforward. You take a bit of insulin with food or. You might have to check your blood once or twice. Like, didn't I got a big realization? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, there's two types of injections. I was like, what? <laughs> so when you were rushed off to hospital then, presumably you were straight on a drip. Yeah. They were feeding you insulin kind of incrementally, were they? Yeah. So I was on a drip, I think, for maybe two days straight. Um, and they were just trying to bring... They were, I was on like... I think it was like potassium or something like other fluid as well. They were just trying to pump into me, I suppose. And I was in like priority, like the A&E for maybe 10, 12 hours until they could actually bring my blood to the half decent level. They put me into the wards then for, I think I spent three nights and then got out. And uh, yeah, it's just mental. Like, and it was well, it's kind of weird. Like there's no visitors. Like I was on my own for this whole period because it's COVID. Like I couldn't see anyone or anything. So that was a bit strange as well. Like, but, in a sense, looking back on it, I actually kind of rathered that because I kind of just had a bit of space, you know, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, I could kind of just reflect on it. Like, I was like, whoa, this is your this is your new life. Like, and I rang, I think I rang or text my mate. It's like, I just got diagnosed with type one. He's like, he's just telling me to F off. He's like, got away, shut up, like you're messing. <laughs> and I just sent a picture on the drip and he just started ringing me. He's like, Connor, what is going on? <laughs> he was in disbelief. Like, <laughs> So when you say you had time to reflect, because obviously there was no visitors due to COVID, which is it's kind of insane to me to, to even try and imagine, because when I was diagnosed, I had visitors in and my family and my friends had kind of come in to, to see what was happening, to see if I yeah. was okay. So when you say, Connor, that you, were, you kind of had that time to reflect, what was going through your mind? It's kind of just like, it was just disbelief for the first few hours and then I just kind of was gradually like trying to come to terms with it Um, just trying to like think what like I don't know it was a pretty crazy time but I suppose I'm just to kind of trying to accept it like okay this, this is my life and I remember actually looking up diabetic fighters like trying to find people out there <laughs> Oh, this is actually mental. I was reading how you cut weight with diabetes when I was in hospital. <laughs> like I was like there, I was reading like reduce your insulin eighty percent and all, and this is just stressing me out. Like what? Is, I was so confused, you know. And <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm never fine again. Like I really, I was sitting on that hospital bed looking around, like I am done. Like it was just crazy, you know. It was just so mental, I suppose. So with everything that's kind of going through your head, as we both know, can go through your head when you're diagnosed. Was your biggest worry the idea or the thought of not being able to fight? Yeah, I suppose. Um, I I thought a lot of aspects of my life were going to be affected. Like, it's like I'm definitely not going on the gargle again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not fighting. Like, uh, yeah, I suppose I was just like, oh my god, my life is going to be completely different. If that makes sense. Uh, fighting was a huge priority because like I just love doing it. Like I've been doing it for the last four or five years and get a lot of fulfillment out of it and all so that was a huge priority but just even my social life I thought everything was going to change yeah I remember one of my one of my most concerning thoughts was the idea of not being able to go out and have a few drinks (laughs) (laughs) because I obviously we're we're 19 it's a social thing to do in Ireland for the most part and I was thinking oh no 
oh, I'm not going to be able to go out as as my normal friends are. <laughs> Do you feel, Connor, that you benefited from the fact that one of your best friends has already had diabetes for five, for Ab- five years? Absolutely. Yeah, like without a doubt. Like uh, the day I got out of hospital, he came up to me. I was like, what do you eat? Like, I was, uh, I was like scheduled on like three meals a day and they didn't have a clue what insulin to give me. They were just like, take four units of uh, Nova Rapid at your breakfast, lunch and dinner. I was having hypos and all, like it was just crazy. So I remember like asking my friend, I was like, how, like, like do you have scheduled intervals? And I was like, no, I just do what I want. Like, you know, and that gave me a lot of reassurance. Like, okay, this actually will be okay, I suppose. Like he, I know he's he's mad for his points, and obviously he's he's well controlled sugars and all, but like he just lives a normal life, so it definitely mm. gave me a bit of like hope. Okay, this isn't this isn't the end. <laughs> I suppose. So when you were, yeah, absolutely not. It's not the end. And look, even given your own experience, sure you're in phenomenal shape, and you're going into a cage fighting people. It's it's certainly yeah. not holding you back. Nah, yeah, no, not at all. I came to realize that after a few months, it does not affect me anyway um i can do whatever i want with diabetes like it's just there i suppose is there a part of you and and this is something that i suppose this is one of the questions that came to my mind almost first when i when i wanted to have you on the podcast but do you feel as if your experience fighting over the years leading up to your diagnosis helped you deal with the initial shock of being diagnosed because i would imagine that the whole idea around combat sports like it strikes me as a type of sport that you need to be pretty mentally strong to be involved in i think so i definitely think so i could actually deal with the grief and um training definitely helped me like i just got when i got out of hospital i think i was i think i did a 5k within four days or something which was like i just like definitely the exercise helped me through the grief and like you said the kind of mental game i suppose like thinking it was hard in that state to think like look there is going to be better days but it definitely did help i suppose um fighting definitely is very like you're mentally engaged and that does tie into other aspects of my life and yeah for sure to answer that question it definitely did help me get over the initial grief i'm just shocked that you said you did a 5k about four days after you got out of hospital (laughs) <laughs> yeah man I, I told my mom I was just going to do a one kilometer and uh, I just kept running you know I'm sure you get like that as well when you're training like nah, I could go a bit longer like you know I had a shot of glucose I was so scared I had a shot of glucose in my face like cr- <laughs> like crunching it like okay if I feel low I'm just going to neck this and run home I'll be okay <laughs> <laughs> but it so, was grand, like. <laughs> so was there ever a period of time and I know you've only been diagnosed 10 months as you said but within that 10 months has there ever been a time where you've been really down about it because you already strike me as somebody who is so positive about it and it's certainly not holding you back and the fact that you did a 5k four days (laughs) after you left hospital did you just almost instantly get in the swing of things uh no not really man to be honest like the first two months were rough because we're in level five lockdown so like being diagnosed obviously you feel a bit different but like i wasn't seeing people there wasn't i don't know it was, just, it was just a rough two months i say i suppose from december to february then like i got back training the gym started opening up around then i think or maybe it was a bit later but i was actually allowed in a gym a bit early and all so 
I suppose my life started to kind of kick back off maybe February, March. I started doing things of like socializing again and seeing my friends, having a few drinks. So my life kind of came back to normal. But the first two months, yeah, they were awful. Like looking back, like they were pretty bad. It's just, I just kind of pissed off about the diagnosis, feeling sorry for myself and still in a bit of disbelief. And when I kind of came, I don't know, it was like, it was weird. I like came to the stage, I was like, look, this is my life. And since that moment, I suppose it's been back to normal. And I didn't think in that stage, I really didn't think it was going to get this good. I had no idea if you asked me in January, I'd be back fighting high level MMA a few months later. Like I had no idea that was going to happen. But yeah, yeah, like it was a rough two months, I suppose, but definitely came out better. Like if summer, I had some laugh over summer, some crack, you know. So do you think that just getting back into the fighting and into the training kind of act as the catalyst to get you back in a good mood about it? I think so. Yeah, definitely, man. I was like, well, if I can do this stuff, nothing's going to stop me, you know, that kind of way. Mm. Like that was even going into my last fight. I was like, if I can hop in a cage, if I can make weight with diabetes and win or whatever, like there's nothing else I can't do, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. How, Connor, has your training specifically differed since you've been diagnosed? Did you need to manipulate your training or how you prepare for training each day now that you have diabetes? Definitely. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so I try not take an injection within two hours. Like this would be um, my not wrapping my fast acting because it's just going to be so much more likely. I'm going to have a hypo. Or if I don't have that option, I'll reduce it maybe 50%. Um, so then maybe I usually have like a banana before training, maybe 20 grams of carbs. And ideally, I want my bloods about 10. Just because like if we're sparring or something, you just don't want hypos. Like I'd have to sit out around and it's just, it's in- inconvenient. So um, definitely that, just being very conscious what my sugars are at going into training and making sure I have equivalent sugar at the bench. Like I always have like packet glucose sweets beside my water or shot just something you know top up through training yeah but apart from that like I'm, I'm in better shape now since I'm diabetic than I was before like I've never trained as hard like I've trained harder since I've had diabetes since before like I definitely as an athlete perspective I'm in way better condition and why do you think that is why do you think you train harder um yeah I don't know like I'm really kind of I actually I couldn't give you a really good answer on it. Maybe it's like I think with discipline, that's one of the things in the diabetic has just really got good. Like uh, I just I don't know, I'm just willing to put myself in those situations. Like and I was very keen to get back fighting and something I really wanted to do with diabetes and I suppose that's been really driving me forward, I suppose. Um, is, is there a party of Connor that's kinda of like, right, I've been diagnosed with this thing. And now because I have diabetes, I need to prove to myself that it's not going to hold me back. <laughs> Man, I swear to God, on them runs early on, I was like, I'm going to get back, give an ass whoop. <laughs> you know? I was like, this ain't going to stop me. Like, <laughs> So you're more determined now that you've been diagnosed, which is a good, yeah, which is a good yeah, thing. Pretty cringy, but like since I got sick, I feel uh, probably better shape and all, which is, yeah, it's pretty crazy, I suppose. Yeah, that's amazing to hear. What sort of diabetes tech do you use in terms of, like, do you have a CGM? Do you finger prick? I finger prick. I can't have a CGM with the training I do. Like, uh, I was wearing a CGM for all the summer. Well, before, sorry, that's a lie, actually. Before I got back into full-time MMA training, like, where I was doing 
like grappling heavy rounds and then when it's heavy contact sparring I just couldn't wear one like um I remember my first heavy wrestling session back I had it wrapped up in compression tape I was using a freestyle Libra and I just take the compression tape off after and the Libra just pops off my arm onto the mat <laughs> like, never again man yeah and it happened to me like last week actually so after my fight I took a week off and I got a freestyle Libra like just to you know have one it's so much so way more convenient mm. And I went back wrestling then last Friday and same thing happened. Had it like taped up and all and just pops off. And is it coming off because somebody's kind of pulling it off you or is it because of the sweat? I think it's a bit of both. Like, you know, one of the locks in wrestling, like you get a good grip of the tricep um, and you could be pulling someone with that. So it's it's just hard, you know, and even like getting kicked and all in the back of the arms. Like, I just think it's just better to have a finger prick obviously i know how great cgms are they're so convenient for other types of training but just this training i mean i don't think it's possible i'm almost stressing out even even thinking about it because when i because i only got a cgm i'd say maybe two a year and a half or two years ago so yeah. up to that point i was finger pricking for you know roughly eight nine years and even when i was playing football like i wasn't in any way like fighting in these <laughs> these hefty cages <laughs> and all these kind of things but even when i was playing football because i didn't have a cgm and i was finger pricking it's almost like i need to check my bloods before a match i need to check it half time and then i need to check it after but even yeah, with that yeah. it's it was so difficult to understand you know where are my blood sugars at right now because when you're running around and you're sweating and your heart rate is increased, it's difficult to understand, you know, am I going high? Am I going low? Am I stable? Yeah. So oh man. <laughs> when you're even sparring, Connor, do you just check your blood sugar before you start sparring and kind of hope for the best until you stop? Or do you check it in between? Um, I actually really don't check it in between unless I'm feeling low. So basically like I was sparring today, we started at 12, I finger prick probably, 15 minutes before 10 minutes before and I've, I've already like checked maybe an hour before at this stage so i first finger prick at 11 like say my bloods are six okay i'll have 20 grams from a banana or something of carbs then i'll finger prick right before i start i'm like okay maybe i just need a shot because this is going to be intense so i just hope for the best like yeah it should do <laughs> and it usually does like i'm usually because you have adrenaline you know when you're fighting like your sugars would be rising naturally through adrenaline so mm. I actually haven't had any problems. Well, that's uh, what one of my next questions is going to be was <laughs> the, the fact that you're getting into a cage fighting somebody. It's obviously a, a very, very intense and stressful time on your body. Do you kind of alter your preparation for training as you would an actual fight? Because I can imagine that with an actual fight, your adrenaline must be pumping through you yeah yeah but like for a training if i have to stop it's grand but for a fight like you can't you know that kind of way you're in there and if mm. if i'm like pulling out because my sugars i lose the fight so i just play it safe like for example my last fight before the warm-up um i think my sugars were like eight like i just kind of wanted them slightly higher that day because i was doing a lot of walking around my teammates were fighting i was watching their fights and stretching and all so i took a reduction in my insulin just to make sure like I didn't have any risks of hypo. So before the warm-up, I was eight point eight, around eight. I'll take 15 grams of a shot. 
then I warm up for like maybe 20 minutes you know it's intense enough like good sweat on check my bloods again they might have been like similar enough around eight so I take another shot so I just doubled up the shots like just to make sure when I go in for that the max the fight can be is nine minutes at amateur three rounds by three minutes so just to make sure I'm not having a hype on there because even that's what the endocrinologist told me the most dangerous thing about this sport being diabetic if you have a hypo in the cage like I am done. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, oh, yeah, in man. both ways, somebody's gonna be on top of you, and then your blood sugars have just dropped so much. Oh man, like yeah, you're trying to be like I've seen a neurologist. Brain scans are part of the criteria for fighting MMA, and he was just like, you know, the best fighters are the fighters with the sharpest mind because it's just about reaction. It's all about being the quickest person to react. Essentially, like you know. Um, so you know yourself when you're having a hypo your reactions aren't too sharp (laughs) (laughs) no to say the least yeah so you're obviously more comfortable more confident going in higher because you just want to avoid that hypo at all costs absolutely absolutely and then i'll i'll take the precautions to bring it down and look after myself after a fight if i have to take a correction which i actually haven't like my bloods came out of cage my bloods were like 10 this maybe half an hour after then but the next hour they're back to around five or something you know they really have that natural drop from the last two fights maybe in future i'll have to take a correction if my bloods are high yeah it's interesting to hear that because i would almost assume that given the adrenaline and the feeling and the fact that you're basically trying to beat somebody up your, your <laughs> adrenaline's pumping i would almost expect your blood sugar to be really high after that but yeah is the highest you've gone with a fight, as you say, about 10? Yeah, see, I check around like half an hour to 40 minutes. I've actually never checked as soon as I come out of the cage, and I say it would be pretty high. But uh, yeah, I think 10 was like, for the last two fights, around 40 minutes after, I was about 10. So you've three three-minute rounds. You've obviously a break in between each round. Have you ever, yeah. or or do you ever even consider checking your blood sugar in between, or you're pretty confident you're you're all right no, not at all like it's it would, be, it would be crazy to try check the bloods like it's it's a minute your coach is in there they're giving you water they're like trying to adjust the fight like it just be i just i'm just so confident that my bloods are in a good stage and you know, all that kind of way mm. and i've never had from i spar so much we do fight simulations i know from a three minute scrap like if i have that much sugar in me my bloods aren't going low that's what um, you want that's yeah. what you want <laughs> <laughs> that was part one of my chat with conor mccarthy As you know, if you're listening on the day of the release of this episode, part two will be out tomorrow. But if you're listening on any other day, part two is going to be the next episode in our list. Enjoy part two. Thanks for listening to part one. And we'll chat to you soon.